Hello, and welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to catch all of Alenia Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Well, today we bring our series, Money Matters, to a close. This has been a series where we have looked at biblical principles on money and possessions and hopefully have given you some tools and perspectives to help you on your financial journey. Today, we're going to get really practical and talk about budgeting and creating a spending plan. What we want to do is give you some questions to ask in each one of the areas that makes up your spending plan, like your income. How do you know you're in the right job and your expenditures? How do you know you're spending money on the right things? So pull out a pen and some paper, take some notes, and enjoy. Good morning. All right, it's going to be a good day. I don't know why I've been amped up all day. Maybe it's the Halloween candy already. Um, Hey, I just want to say thank you to those who were a part of the uh, fall festival uh, yesterday at Sportscom. Uh, We had a tent set up out there, and uh, we had no idea what to uh, expect. We had two-hour increments that, we, that people sign up for from 10 to 6, and uh, we uh, kept having to go back to Michael's to get more supplies. I think we served over 400 kids. Um, it was great. So let's just give those volunteers a hand this morning. And uh, thank you for being part of that. Even if you weren't part of that and you give here, you were part of that. You're, you're a fabric of, of who we are as a church, and and uh, it was awesome. I had parents coming up to us going, thank you for doing this. And I, you know, I'm a little taken aback by that, honestly, when people are like, thank you for doing this. I'm like, well, of course, of course we would do this. Um, we enjoy doing this. Uh, it was fun serving the kids. Uh, we, we made little um, uh, ice cream, what am I saying, popsicle stick uh, scarecrows. Thank you. I wanted to say Frankensteins, but they were not, some of them did look like Frankensteins. <laughs> Wow, some creative kids. All right, we're in our series, uh, Money Matters. It's our final uh, final installment of Money Matters. I know you just love money so much. You hate to see this series come to an end. I'm so sorry. Uh, but just as always, we have the podcast up on the uh, website, so you can just listen to them to your heart's content. But let me um, read our verse to you, Matthew 13, 22, that... We keep coming back to each week because it is the reason why I felt like we needed to do a series on money is because we have all of these things in the world that are coming in and growing in on us and trying to get our attention. And so it is the parable of the sower and sowing the seed. And this is what Jesus says. He says, now the one sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. The word becomes unfruitful. And I realized when I read that passage that my responsibility as your pastor, my responsibility in leading this church, the church's responsibility is to make sure you've got some good fertile ground. Uh, That our responsibility when people come into these doors and they hear the gospel, they hear the word of God, that they Um, that they have fertile ground for the seed to be sown into. So this is part of of our responsibility as a church is to make sure that the worries of the world don't come in and and choke what God's trying to do in your life. Because how many of y'all know that the world is always at our door, is always trying to establish 
their standards, the world's standards, over God's standards, and we want to push back against that. And so week one, we learned the principle that God owns it all, and if God owns it all, we are mere stewards, that we're just taking care of what God has entrusted to us. And week two, we learned that God provides it all. And if God provides it all, we know that we can trust him, that he is going to provide for us, that we, we can look at the flowers of the field and the birds of the sky and see that God provides for them and how much more valuable are we than they. And then last week we learned that we should live with generous hearts because when we live with generous hearts, it allows us to fight back the propensity that is in all of us to shift our trust away from God and onto the things of, the, of this world. And so God calls us to live with generous hearts. Well, today we're going to go back to the first week and we're going to talk about being stewards. That if God owns it all, that we are just stewards. And we want to talk about some principles of being stewards. Part of being steward is having this thing that all of us love so much, and it's this thing called self-control. Self-control is such a fun topic. We love being self-controlled and disciplined. I don't know anybody that does. If you're the type of person that just pops up at 5 a.m., you're like, woohoo, ready to go, let's go to the gym. Um, I could use some tips because that's difficult. I remember um, as a kid when, when I was, uh, I don't know, seven or so, there, there was... There was four of us in, in the house, and the thing that my mom uh, loved to do, uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek, is take us to the grocery store. You know, four kids hanging off the basket. We were always fighting on who gets to ride in the basket, right? Uh, I don't know. You know, now, as an adult, I look back and think about all the germs that were in the basket, you know, probably all the salmonella that's, like, resting at the bottom of the basket. We're thinking about, you know, so here's how we do. We'd have, uh, we'd have the baby, which would be Rachel, She's in the seat, right? And then one of us is hanging off the back. That was usually me. Uh, Christopher's probably in the basket. And then we probably shoved Matthew up underneath. <laughs> he's, he's riding along. And, and mom's going, my mom's here this morning. Hi, mom. Yeah. They give a shout out to mama. Um, so she, you know, going down the grocery store, and every cart you know has got a bum wheel. It just shakes, every, every one of them. They buy them that way. I think they're built into the design of the buggies. And, hey, by the way, if you're new to Tennessee, you call them buggies. They're not shopping carts. They're buggies. Listen, when in Rome, when in Rome, they're buggies. And the, the reason that, you know, moms don't like taking their kids grocery shopping is because of the lack of self-control. Because all of the kids see everything that's bright and shiny on the shelf. And they ask for it over and over and over. We wouldn't ask for it. We would just stealthily just grab it walking. I mean, you got the, you go down the cereal aisle, it's the worst, right? Uh, some of the, the, uh, the bad cereals that we wanted as kids were uh, Frankenberry, which is very apropos right now for Halloween. Frankenberry cereal. Come on, give me hands, Frankenberry. No? Three? Wow. Come on, y'all. You got to live a little bit. Sugar Smacks? Oh, okay, a little bit. I, I read this morning that that is actually the worst cereal that you can get is Sugar Smacks. <laughs> so I encourage you. Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Yeah, everybody, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, Count Chocula? 
Yeah, okay, a couple of y'all. Uh, how many of y'all are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> now, the, the trick to, to Cocoa Puffs and um, uh, Fruity Pebbles is the milk at the end. The milk at the end. Hey, do y'all know that there, just a side note, this is not in my notes, but this is free. Um, there is a, uh, there is a, um, uh, ice cream place in D.C. I, I know it's in D.C. It's probably in other places. But it's called Milk Bar, and they make ice cream out of the milk that's left behind from the cereal. So it's not like someone's back there eating cereal. <laughs> they just they just soak they soak the milk, and then they make ice cream out of it. I never I can see where y'all's minds are going like. People in D.C. are crazy. Um, and then there's the, the, always the impulse buyer. That's the worst because you've got the kids in the, um, in the checkout line of the grocery store, and you've got chewing gum, and you've got candy bars, and you've got the magazines that mom's trying to put her hand over so the kids don't see them, you know, all that. So it's, it's all about self-control. Because like, as kids, we have no self-control. We want everything now. We want everything. Everything's mine. I mean, that's, that's the thing when you grow up. That's the, like word number two that you learn, you know, next to, to, to mama or data is mine and mine. Because so, the self-control is lacking. We always want we, what we see in front of us. Well, just like children, when we become believers, that is something that God is trying to put in us as well. Because If you look at kids, one of the things you're trying to do with kids is you're trying to get into them this idea of self-control. I mean, look at kindergarten. Kindergarten, why do we do kindergarten? I mean, it's not like we're we're learning geometry in kindergarten. I mean, we're, we're coloring stuff, right? Kindergarten basically is you're trying to teach a kid how to go to school. Because if you go to, if you go eat lunch with your kids in elementary school, just watch the kindergartners walk into the lunchroom. And then watch the first graders come into the lunchroom. It's like night and day because from kindergarten to first grade, we have put into the children how to, be, how to stand in a line, how to raise your hand. You know, hey, teacher, I need to go to the bathroom. It's all about self-control. Well, just like with kids, we're trying to put into kids self-control. As new believers, God's trying to put into us self-control. I mean, look what Proverbs says. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Self-control leaves us vulnerable. It, it, it leaves holes in our life that's going to cause us trouble in the future. In fact, you, you may think that the gospel and salvation has nothing to do with that, but it actually does. The gospel trains us, salvation trains us to be self-controlled. Look what Titus says. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, listen, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live, what, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Self-control is so important that if you look at Timothy and Titus, it is in every list uh, requirement for church leaders, that church leaders are meant to live lives self-controlled. All right. So today, what we're going to talk about with this idea of self-control is a spending plan, or better known as a budget. Because what does a budget do? What does a spending plan do? It helps us be self-controlled. 
All right? Now, three points I want to give you before we get into the meat of the text. Number one is I'm not preaching from perfection. All right? The reason I say that is I have listened to pastors, and I have heard their messages, and I have thought to myself, there is no way that you live like that. And I'm just going to say, I'm not preaching from perfection. So I don't want you to take these concepts and go, well, he doesn't do that. It's out the window. All right? So this is one of the few times where I'm going to say, do as I say, don't do as I do. That was tongue-in-cheek. That was me. That's supposed to be funny. That, that flops. <laughs> I won't use that for the second service. Um, there is no second service. Um, but I, I do want to say that because I have made mistakes in the past. I have made dumb decisions, financial decisions in the past. I can tell you all the things not to do because I've already been there, done that, got the T-shirt, made the mistake, and suffered for it. All right? So that's, that's the first thing I want you to know. Number two is growth requires self-awareness. If you're going to grow and you're going to get better in this area, the best thing that you can do is look in the mirror and go, yeah, I, I, probably, I probably have a problem here. All right? The last thing is, and this is one of my favorites, you don't have to be broke to get better. What I mean by that is you don't have to be sick to get better. You don't have to be messed up to get better. You can just get better. You can actually be good at these concepts and listen today and hear something that goes, I could actually improve in that area. All right? So don't just think that because you uh, don't have $100,000 in student loan debt and $30,000 in credit card debt and you know, you're making it paycheck to paycheck and you're not living like that, that you don't need to listen to this. Because I think there's principles here that all of us can apply no matter where we're at in our financial situation. All right? So this is what a spending plan is. It's, it's, really, it's really complicated. You have this thing called income. That's all the money that comes into your account every month. All right? Maybe it's from Uncle Sam, maybe it's from working, maybe it's from an annuity, maybe it's from your rich grandma, whatever it is, maybe it's interest, right? These are the, these are the dollars that come in into your account that you have to account for, your income. Then you have expenses. This is the stuff you spend money on. These are the dollars that go out of your account. These are uh, the impulse buys. These are the subscriptions that you have to the hundred different uh, streaming uh, services that are online, right? Um, these are the, the hobbies that you have or the hobbies that you keep adding, as my wife would say to me. It's like you don't need another hobby. Now, here is the brutal fact, and I love you. I love you. Your income and your expenses equal your track record. All right? The numbers don't lie. I love numbers. I'm a numbers guy. I was good at math because no one could argue with me that one plus one equal two. I knew I had the right answer. 
That's why I did not like English. If you're an English teacher, I'm sorry. I could not stand reading comprehension because you know what they would say in reading comprehension? They would have you read a paragraph, and then they would give you multiple choice, and they would ask this question, pick the best possible answer. And I would look at that and go, that's so subjective. Why do you think that's the best possible answer? I think this is the best possible answer. And I'd always overthink it. Math don't lie. One plus one is going to equal two. Unless you're in quantum mechanics or something, and then everything goes out the window, right? All right. So income plus expenses equals your track record. Now, if you look at your track record and you don't like it, you have two options. One, make more money, right? You can go get a new job. You can go add a second job. You can go to school to get more education. You can go... Learn a trade to, to learn something new and get a different career field, right? You, uh, maybe uh, you're a single-income uh, family and you decide you're going to be a double-income family. There's ways that you can improve this, all right? Number two, spend less money, less spending. Now, here's what we're going to do today is we're going to work through making more money and we're going to work through spending less money. And I'm going to show you some questions that you can be thinking about personally about how you should approach this. Now, here's what I want you to understand about these concepts. When you make these decisions, you are making value decisions. You're making decisions that show what you value in your life. And here's what I want to encourage you. No matter where you are on the financial spectrum, when you look at making more money or spending less money, I want you to make decisions that will do this, that will bring you peace. That will bring you peace. Because everything, everything, everything has a trade-off. Everything has a trade-off. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians says. Make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands just as we directed you. I love that passage because it's, it, it, it's kind of, it takes the weight off of us trying to figure out, like, we got to make our mark on the world, and we got to do this, and we got to do that. And Paul's saying, hey, I, do this. Just live a peaceable life. Just live a peaceable life. And when you make these decisions... When you make decisions trying to live according to this concept that peace is going to be your driver, there is always, always a trade-off. You decide you're going to be double income. And you realize the, the trade-off is you got more money in the bank and you get to do more stuff. And you realize that you're both stressed to the max. And maybe the trade-off wasn't worth it that you're going to go get a job that's going to pay you twice as much as you used to have, and you realize that now you're working in a toxic environment and that the trade-off wasn't worth it. Or maybe you decide you're going to go into a different career field, and you're going to realize that now I'm making so much more money, but I'm working 80 hours a week, and you realize after the fact that the trade-off wasn't worth it. 
Or maybe you decide you're going to take a pay cut and you realize that at the end of the day that you're healthier and you're happier and you have more joy and you realize life wasn't just about stuff and you realize that the trade-off was worth it. Everything has a trade-off. Everything has a trade-off. So here's the questions that I want to provide for you. Let's first look at your income. When, it, when, it looks at, when you look at your income and you look at maybe getting a new job, maybe changing jobs, maybe changing career fields, there's, there's several questions, three questions I want you to ask. One is, does it allow you to provide? At the end of the day, does it allow you to simply make ends meet? Look what 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Holy cow, what strong language. That we are called to, we are called to provide. We are called to provide for our families. We're, provi- we're called to provide for our homes. I remember when, when Jennifer and I first got married way back in the, in the, in the uh, when did we get married? 2003. Thank God I can't. I don't, I, you know what they're saying now? They're saying that, uh, oh, you were born in the 90s the late 1900s. I'm like, get out of my face. I don't want to talk to you. I don't have to say that about our marriage. We, we were born, uh, born. We were married in 2003. And when we got married, uh, Jennifer was the only one in her class that got accepted in a law school. All right. So my wife is uber smart. And um, then she met me and I messed everything up. That's a different story for a different day. Uh, but we, I was working uh, part-time at a church. Um, it was a small church. Sometimes I would get the phone call on payday that said, the offering wasn't good enough. Can you wait another week? And I would, I was like, well, what are my options? Of course, yes, I'll have to wait another week. So Jennifer and I, we would do everything we could to make ends meet because when we did our spending plan, the numbers didn't work. I mean, the income and the outgo, they didn't match up very well. Uh, Jennifer uh, would come home. She worked at a bank, First Bank of Conroe, Conroe, Texas. She would work at a bank. She would come home. I would come home from, uh, I worked at the bank too. They wouldn't put us in the same one in case we tried to rob it. Um, (laughs) That's that's actually the truth. I would come home, and I couldn't find my wife, but I could, hear, I, would, I could hear crying. And I would walk in the bathroom, and there was my wife sitting in the tub, fully clothed, no water in the tub. That's just where she could find to hide, to cry, because she was so, so upset that she had this degree. She was about to go to law school, and now, then she was, now she was working at a bank. And she, she, was, think, she was thinking, I feel like I'm, I'm wasting feel like I'm wasting my life. Um, but she was doing that to provide because the numbers didn't work. She would work on Saturdays because it was extra money. I would work at, on Saturdays because it was extra money. We worked every Saturday we could. I ended up getting a job as a forester. Um, I worked for a forester guy, so I'd do that full time. I would actually go into the woods and count trees. There's a job that does that. Um, I, had a, I had a big beard. I looked like Chewbacca. I've got a picture of me and Chewbacca, and we actually look the same. It's, it's pretty awesome. 
Um, I'd go out in the woods and I'd count trees. It, listen, neither one of us wanted to do what we were doing. We felt like God had called us to do something else. But at the time, that's what we had to do because it was our responsibility to pay the bills. We're no longer under mom and dad's um, house. We're no longer getting, you know, an allowance. It was, we were standing on our own two feet, and we, it was our responsibility to provide. So it wasn't like we loved that. It was hard. Like, I would go into the woods, and it would be Texas, all right? I don't know if y'all know this, but Texas is hot, y'all. And I would wear, uh, I, would, I would work in this place called the Big Thicket. Just, just look it up, East Texas, the Big Thicket. Briars. Briars. Those are called thorns. And I would wear, you can go to uh, like tractor supply and stuff and you can get double layered denim jeans. Like they have an extra layer of denim on the, on the leg. And I would wear a flannel shirt, long sleeves, 100 degrees, 100% humidity. It's not like it was fun. And every time I would, right before I'd walk into the woods, I'd stand on the edge of the woods and I'd go, God, I'd, I'd do this, I promise. I'd, I'd pray, God, I don't want to see a snake. I don't want to hear a snake. I don't want a snake. Is, I don't want you to I don't, just get him out of my way. And I would. I would walk. I would not even look down. I probably stepped on like 50 copperheads. I wouldn't even know it because I just didn't want to look down. I'd wear boots, long socks because I was getting tore up. Look like I lost a fight with the bobcat. All right, number two. Can you find purpose in it? Meaning, can you go to work and can you, can you live your Christian life? Can you find purpose in what you're doing? Not that you're going to work to, to solve world peace, but you're like, I'm providing a service. I'm, I'm being, I, I know what my purpose is here. My purpose is to, to love on Sally Sue and, and to be a Christian witness to her. Or number three, does it allow you to live out your other purposes? Look what Colossians says. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why I put that third one in there is a lot of people will look at what they're doing and say, I am living out my purpose, but they're working so much that they're forgetting that they also have a purpose in being a father and a husband. And they're not able to do that part because they're so locked into what they're doing as a career. All right. So you've got to find the balance of I'm being able to provide for my family. I feel like that I'm bring, I can bring passion to what I'm doing um, and that I can live out my purpose as a believer in all of my realms. I think that's very, very important. All right. When it comes to expenses, first question is, does the expense require me to bet on the future? What I mean by that is this thing called debt. Because when you swipe a credit card, when you go into debt, when you get a loan, you are basically saying, I believe I'm going to be able to make what I make now or even more so in the future. So you're betting on the future. Um, look what Proverbs says. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's why debt is so dangerous is because it can strap us from being able to do what God has called us to do in the future. I don't think, actually, I don't have to think. I know that we would not have been able to launch this church if Jennifer and I were strapped with debt. Does it mean that we 
I have always been without debt. No, we both had a, ugh, um, a lot of student loans going into it. I went to a private Christian school. She went to a private Christian school. Um, and they both charged us lots of money. And so we worked as hard as we could to get out of student loan debt. Um, she came in with credit card debt. I came in with credit card debt. Um, I, um, I have bought cars with debt. Some of them, I would say, are wiser decisions than others. Um, when we have gone into debt as a couple, I knew where our finances were. I knew that I wouldn't be upside down. And I knew what would happen if I got in trouble. I had a plan. I had an exit plan. Uh, we got into debt when we bought a camper. The reason that we got into debt to buy a camper is I knew how long I had the kids in the house. I knew that I wasn't going to be upside down. I knew I could get rid of it. Um, and I knew what our plan was because we had a plan to do a, a sabbatical. And so that's the reason why we did that. Then we sold the camper before we moved here because we didn't want to be in debt when we got here. So you've got to be really, really careful with debt. Very, very careful with debt. Number two, is it a want or a need? Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your life free from the love or free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with what you have. Can you be content with what God has given you? Is it a want or a need? And one of the things that Benjamin Franklin, the old Benji, said, uh, beware of little expenses, because a small leak will sink a great ship. So it's just the small things. I would encourage you to go home and go through your credit card statement, your bank statement, or however you spend money, and see how many times Starbucks shows up there. I had a, we, we, we learned um, budgeting principles early in our marriage, and we sat down with a couple and we were talking about how we budget and that we use the cash system. Now, when I was in Virginia, we stopped using the cash system because it didn't feel like we needed to. Now, our financial situation, we're back to a cash system. So Jennifer has the cash envelopes, and she knows how much we have on groceries and how much we have on dining out and how much we have for gifts and how much we have for this. But we were sitting down with this couple, and I said, well, you need to write down everything you spend money on every month. They were spending hundreds, hundreds of dollars on dining out in Starbucks because every day they would go to Starbucks. And I'm not saying Starbucks is bad. Pumpkin spice latte. Come on, somebody, right? Pumpkin cream cold brew. Starbucks is good. I like Starbucks. But again, what's the trade-off, right? I'm not saying these things are bad, but what is the trade-off? We had to say no to a lot of things when we first got married because a lot of people think certain things are needs, but they're not. We didn't have a cell phone. That's a need. We have to have a cell phone. Got to have a cell phone. We didn't have a cell phone. How did you communicate? We had these things called landline phones. We picked it up, and then we'd call the people that we knew had the cell phone that was with them. That's what we really did. <laughs> We didn't have cable. We, we, man, those were some brutal years because we were trying to watch Lost with rabbit ears. That's the worst. We didn't have streaming services. Um, even, um, even in the past couple of years, we said no uh, to a lot, of, a lot of things like this, like 
uh, we're actually having this conversation now about what streaming services that we need to cut because they're all they're all wants. I don't need I don't need Paramount Plus, right? I don't need HBO Max. I don't need any of those things. But they're you, you start they start nickeling and diming you, right? Uh, Paramount Plus, Netflix, ESPN Plus, Hulu, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Peacock, Apple TV. I mean, I know you I know I know Ted Lasso's in need, but not it's just a one. Um, eating out, we said no to a lot of eating out. No fast food, no slow food, no Starbucks. Um, Jennifer would be at uh, the main branch, and I would be at the Montgomery branch, and she would call me, and it's not just her. She would call me, or I would call her. It's God's honest truth. Do you think it'd be okay if I grabbed a fifty-cent candy bar? You'd be you're okay now. I know you're going. That's a little extreme. You do what you got to do to make sure that that number at the bottom of the line is not in the negative. And we had to do that. We were that tight. Hey, do you think it's okay if I go grab a, a C2? By the way, still angry with Coke, getting rid of C2. And then they went to Coke Zero. And then they changed the recipe for Coke Zero. And now they've changed the recipe for Coke Zero again. I'm getting a little impatient. <laughs> Stick with a drink and let me have my addiction Anyway, we also said no to Christmas. Um, we told my family, listen, we can't do gifts exchanges. Um, we didn't buy, I don't even know if we bought presents for our parents for, for years. Um, it, we told them, listen, we need to get healthy financially. And they understood. We had a, I think that our first budget for each other at Christmas was $50 a piece. Less than that? She said $25 a piece. I remember I bought her a, a pair of house shoes from Walmart, like the soft ones, the fuzzy ones. They're, they're so comfy, right? And I wrapped them separately. <laughs> so she had two things to open. <laughs> All right. Now, here's another principle to keep in mind when it comes to needs and wants. One person's need is another person's luxury. Um, I saw someone, I'm not going to say who, but they were on Twitter. They said, if, if you're in debt, you should, never be in, you should never be in a restaurant unless you work there. And um, someone commented under it. Uh, they, they were blasting him for saying that. Like, well, this is not real life. And I thought to myself, well, the reason that she's saying that's not real life is she has the luxury to make that choice. We did not have the luxury to make that choice whether we were going to eat out or not. Um, and so when, you, when people are making these decisions, they're trying to make the wisest decision they can for their families. All right, so every, that's something you got to realize. Everybody's in a different spot. So one person's need is another person's luxury. I need to go eat out. I need a mental health day, whatever the case may be. Well, some, some people can't afford to do that, all right? Um, all right, Luke 2, 12, 15, he, he told them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in abundance of his possessions. All right, question number two. We hit this earlier. What is the opportunity cost? It's not bad going to Starbucks, but if you saved up all the times you went to Starbucks that month, what could you do with it? Maybe you might look at it and go, I want to spend it on another luxury. 
man, I could spend, I could take $100 and I could treat myself to, you know, a hair appointment once a, once a month or something. I, I don't know. That's your life. It's your decision. Make the best decision for your family. Next question. Does my plan allow me to live a generous life? Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Next question. Does my plan give me margin? Proverbs 21.20 says, Wise people save the nice things they have. Fools use up everything as soon as they get it. All right? Now, think about the thing that I showed at the beginning. Income minus expenses equals your track record. How you control your expenses greatly influences the decision you make on your income. So the trade-offs that you have at the beginning, like, well, I need to work 80 hours because I need to support this. Maybe you don't need the boat. Maybe you don't need the camper. Maybe you don't need the two brand new cars. Maybe you don't need this. Maybe you don't need that. I've seen a lot of people go to a real minimalistic lifestyle because they wanted to get more peace and joy in their home because they were working so much they weren't able to even enjoy the things they bought. All right? So everything has a trade-off. And when you make decisions... Wise decisions on the expenses side, it allows you to make better and more freeing decisions on the income side, all right? Now, here's another thing, and this is not my notes. Order matters. The order you make decisions in matters. That's why last week when we talked about generosity, that God asked for the first 10%, the top 10, Right? But when you're making decisions about expenses, order matters. Am I going to buy Starbucks or not? Is not the first question you should be asking yourself. How do I put a roof over my head? How do I put food on the table? How do I put clothes on my back? Unless you live in a nudist colony. That's taken care of. You don't have to do that. Those are the decisions you're making. How can I be generous? How can I live a more freeing life? Ask those questions first, then the things that aren't needs, then you start working them into the plan. And this is, this is called diligence. This is called actually sitting down and doing the work. This is where one person can't be at the table making decisions while the other person is saying, you just take care of it. It's got to be a joint decision. You've got to be doing these decisions together. That's what diligence is. And look what Proverbs says. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And we read this verse a couple weeks ago, Luke 16, 10 through 11. Whoever is faithful in much, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? The verse I mentioned earlier, it is salvation that leads us to be self-controlled. And maybe for some of you, that's your first step. Maybe you don't follow Jesus. Maybe that is something that's been lacking in your life. And I want to give everybody an opportunity every Sunday we have the doors open to respond to the gospel that God loves you. He wants a relationship with you and sin has messed that up. You look at back at the Garden of Eden, what was that? That was lack of self-control. Where Adam and Eve took of the fruit and sin entered the world. But God had a plan, and his plan was his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came, 
He lived a sinless life. He died a brutal death. But three days later, God got him up out of the grave, that he rose from the grave. And Romans says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That it is a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes everything, that makes you a new creation. So I want to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And you can do that by simply praying a prayer. And it's not a magical prayer. It's just more about the condition of your heart that as you speak this to God... And I ask everybody to say it out loud for the benefit of those who are praying it for the first time. You can repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I have sinned and I need you. Please forgive me and make me new. I believe that you died for me, for my sins, and that you rose again. In your name we pray. Amen. As we wrap up today's episode, we have just two questions to ask. What is God saying to you, and what are you going to do about it? If you prayed to receive Christ today, would you take a moment and let us know by filling out the form at alineachurch.org forward slash connect? We'd love to come alongside of you and begin praying for you. Thank you to everyone who supports Alinea Church financially. We couldn't do this without you. If you would like to take a step and begin giving to this ministry, you can do so at alineachurch.org forward slash give. Every dollar goes to helping us spread the message of Jesus to the world around us. Last but not least, take a few moments to like, subscribe, rate, and leave comments wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us out a lot, and it really means a lot to us that you choose to give us a few minutes of your week. If you live in the Murfreesboro area, we sure would love to see you in person. So come visit us. And remember, God loves you, He sees you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.